Well, thank you for the uh, kind words. Um, thank you to the congregation for having me uh, come speak the word, the word of God to you again. Um, it's it's always a it's, it's always an honor to to preach to this congregation because the, this congregation is such a loving congregation, um, and it's it's a pleasure to be a servant to you that we that I may bring the word of God to you today. Um, today I'm going to talk about being exiles and living a holy life, which was unexpected when I was preparing for the message, praying, um, giving time into the word, because that's not an easy topic, living a holy life. It's not an easy topic. And actually, if you go out to um, some books and try to read on some, you know, that topic at times, um, it seems like people stay away from it for whatever reason. Um, but it was laid on my heart to share that with you. Um, and part of that is obedience and submission. And that is super hard in our society. We are all Americans that love our individualism and submitting to a government or an authority figure, let alone God, is really, really hard for us. It's really hard for us. But our lives should be completely different than, than the world, correct? Because God, God has called us to be different. He is above all things. And when our lives are in him, we should be different. We should look different. We should act different. We should talk different. One thing that I'm not going to do is name out specific sins that we need to stay away from. Because we all struggle in different ways. So before we get into scripture, I want to just take time and ask the Lord to help me and to open your hearts for the word. Lord God, we just come before you humbly, but boldly through Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit come into this room tangibly and that my words become your words. That you give this congregation the words that you want us to hear. And Lord, I also ask that our hearts are open to hear what you are saying. Because sometimes we actually hear, but we don't listen. And I ask that we actually are changed by your word. Because your word is life. And I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to read out of two passages today, both in 1 Peter. So let's open up our Bibles to 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 13.
So starting uh, at verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your ignorant self, former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And the second scripture we're going to read is in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 9, which are very similar. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keeping your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when you, they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So those two passages are connected. They're similar. And when we see this in Scripture, it means something. Because when the writers want to emphasize something, they do it. They, they write it down twice, maybe three times. Try to get your attention a little bit. And that's how they wrote um, back then. So I want to break that apart just a little bit, okay, to teach on, teach on these subjects here. And I'm going to start in First Peter, verse 13. Of chapter 1. Prepare for action of obedience to God. So we see here, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this starts with our mind. Our mind really controls what we do, right? Without it, our body really is nothing. What we think, what we put in there, what we listen to, eventually comes out. And we have to be very, very careful to make sure that our minds are actually sober-minded, as Scripture says. And that's not talking about just being drunk with alcohol, okay? What it means is we are not to to be, have this world within our minds and diluting and not seeing clearly what we should be seeing 
So the literal translation of preparing your minds for action is girding up the loins of your mind. Girding up the loins of your mind. What that is, back when this was uh, written, people wore robes, long robes, right? It's kind of hard to do battle or to run in long robes. I don't know. I don't have any experience with that. (laughs) But to be able to get ready for battle, they would take up their robes and they would cinch them up inside their belt because they can actually move. They can battle right there. So Peter is saying, in our minds, we need to be ready for battle because we all know that there is a battle with our minds. That even though that we are redeemed by Christ, we still want to go back to those passions of the flesh. It is a constant battle that we probably all deal with because we live in this world. Our former passions should not and cannot be our current passions. And we must be willing to forego our former past and passions. They are under the blood of Jesus, our former passions and our former lives. For those that are us that are in Christ, those are under the blood of Jesus, taken care of. But we still have to fight in our minds. Peter goes on to say, be holy in all your conduct. Be holy in all your conduct. One thing I was, I was going through different translations. And one thing I noticed was conduct was in there, behavior was in there, right? That's the same thing. But one thing I did not see was act. Do not act like you're a Christian. Do not act like you're following God. Because if we act like that, what truly, we can, the world can act like a follower of Christ, right? The things that are in Scripture because of who God is and, and how God created the world, that can be replicated. His goodness can be replicated outside of God. But those of us that are in Christ, we do things, we do good deeds because of Jesus. So when he says in our conduct, it's, that's our behavior. That is our submission. That's our obedience. God in his word calls us to be holy because he is holy. Anybody know where that first came from? Peter says, be holy because God is holy, as it is written. It's in Leviticus. It's in Leviticus. Several times in Leviticus, actually. Leviticus was written in a time where Israel was brought out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. God was giving them instructions on how to live. 
because at that time, they were exiles. They, really, they didn't have a home at that point. They were wandering. He was also bringing them into an area where he knew there were things going on with the people's groups there that were not of God, and he was preparing them to be separate. Because if you entangle yourselves with the world, our lives actually start moving towards that way. Did you know that you are grafted into true Israel? So the commands that he's, he was given to Israel are the same to, for us today. We are grafted into true Israel. God's children, God's chosen people. But how can, how can we actually conduct ourselves in a way that's proper? Like, how can we even do this? First, we must be made righteous in God's sight. And we can't do that. We can try to do that, but we cannot do that. Only by the, the blood of Jesus has he justified us and imputed his righteousness to us. Only then do we have right standing between God, of, of God. Sanctification starts when Jesus imputes his righteousness to us, and that is the concept of being set apart or made holy. Because holy isn't always be perfect. Right? When it talks about God as holy, he is. He is truly perfect. He is also set apart. He is above all things. And when we are holy, we are set apart for his work. He has set us apart. The fruit of the Spirit leads to sanctification and holiness. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that makes us holy. It is the sanctification part where this ongoing process of being changed into how God is, into his character. That is holiness. The process of begin, becoming holy or sanctified is the work of God through his spirit, and we submit to him and his word. We will deceive ourselves if we do not submit to the spirit's showing of sin in our lives and working through him to kill it. process of becoming holy is the work of God through his spirit and we submit to him you know how we also live holy lives because God's a God's called us to do that B we must hate sin the sin that still is within us that we still commit either against somebody or God we must hate that because we must know that there was a price 
that was paid for, for those sins. And it was not a cheap price. It's not a cheap price. We must remember that the God of this universe, the creator of all things, the one that sits high above all, sits on the throne, that judges, that is coming back, he himself gave himself through Jesus, gave his own blood to atone for our sins because we can't do it. And to just think about that, that the, the God that created us gave himself for us. Because of that price, we must hate sin as he hates sin. We know we have sinned against God. We must hate sin as God hates it. Because in him there is none. And we cannot. As much as we don't think this occurs, we should know that an unrepentant sin causes spiritual blindness. We all struggle with it. We all struggle with that sin, whatever that may be. And that causes some spiritual blindness, dulls our minds to see who God clearly is. So what should our conduct look like? What should our behavior look like? Like I said, I'm not going to give specific sins on to, to kill. That's, that's up to you. Okay? What we need to do is read the word of God. He has not left us with no direction. It's all It is all here, written down for us. Does our conduct, what we watch, listen, speak, glorify God or the world? There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. It's either for God or for the world. If there was middle ground, we could argue. But we can't. And we should not. To a God that is infinite. He says, your actions, your life are for me or they're not. But why, why should we be holy? Okay, why should we be holy? Because God tells us we need to. We should hate sin. There's also another reason. Because we are exiled people. When we received mercy through the Holy Spirit, drawing us to Jesus, and we saw Jesus as God, in the flesh and believed and confessed that he is Lord and our Lord. 
we were actually removed from this fallen world and now are exiles awaiting the fullness of the kingdom of God. Anybody feel that? I hear quite a bit like, why is this world going crazy? It's always been crazy. But our sancti- in our sanctification process, we see the deficiencies and the evil and the sin that's in the world. You aren't crazy. <laughs> the world needs Jesus Christ. The world needs Jesus Christ. And how are they going to see him? How are they going to hear about him? It's through us. God could do it other ways, but he chooses not to. We can't argue that. He loves us to be able to use us through his Holy Spirit to point people to Christ. And it is up to us to do that. We can sense that we don't belong here anymore. After you come to Christ, you, f- you have this feeling that we don't belong here. We're like wandering around, waiting for him to return. Our lives cannot be both in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. They are against each other. And if you believe, if your feelings say that you can, you're wrong. You're being deceived. We must be in the word of God to know what he's talking about. So he has called us not by our own doing to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Those are titles. And that he wants and, and we must have those titles. We are, we are the chosen race. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. People see us differently, or should see us differently. And why? Why are we these, the set-aside people? Because in Scripture, in First Peter, it says, because we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is our purpose, to proclaim his excellencies. Are we doing that? We don't like to ruffle feathers. We don't like confrontation. I'm telling you, darkness does not care because they're coming after you and the world. Because darkness wants to destroy, and only in that is death. Through Jesus, there is light. And life. Only through him. Spiritual warfare is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing. Because we are an exiled people with a purpose. If we sit back, Does the kingdom of God advance? Not well, not quick. Right? The kingdom of God is now and not yet fully. But in Scripture, 
Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay? Gates of hell are static. They are defensive. They are not offensive. We don't see gates floating and going stuff. Like, the kingdom of God, us, okay, we have to go out into darkness. We are put into this world as exiles that the world, the fallen world, may see who Jesus is and that they may follow him and give their lives to him, not just accept who he is. Scripture says the demons know who Jesus is and they tremble. There is a huge difference. Americans, we are head knowledge full of who Jesus is. But do we know him as Lord? Do we submit to him? That's, a, that's a, a question that you all can answer yourselves. The kingdom of God is not behind the scenes. The kingdom of God is not behind the scenes. We know, just say in America, darkness works behind the scenes. Through, because they cannot overtake the kingdom of God, but they can work in, in, this, in, in the darkness behind the scenes to change the way that people think, change the way that we act. But the kingdom of God should be overtly taking ground and dominion because of the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why we cannot think and sit back and say, oh, so-and-so, they don't know the Lord. Someday they will. No. Overtly, you are in the kingdom of God. Take dominion back. Because everybody that we, take, that we come in contact to, with, we either serve the Lord or they will not. Do we know for sure who those people are? No, but our job is not to. Our job is to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. The conduct that God calls us to is to display himself through us as the Holy Spirit indwells his children now. God does not reside in a temple made of stone. God resides in each of his children. There is power there. There's a form of godliness that and that denies power. That can kind of be an American church issue. Okay. There's a form of godliness As people who were called by God to himself and have received mercy by our Father, our lives must be obedient and consecrated to him because of the mercy we have received through Jesus by an infinitely holy God that loves his creation so much that he made the way because we don't have the ability outside of the work of God.
if we are not in God's word and in prayer. And that's just being in relationship with him. We cannot know him, let alone we cannot know our neighbor without talking, spending time with them, learning how they are. We also cannot know of God without spending time in his word and through prayer. If we don't spend time with him or obey him, then how can we say that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's super hard to do that. And that's convicting. I mean, that's, that's convicting to me. Because maybe I'm too tired. I don't get up in the morning to, to spend time with God. How am I going to know who, how he is, who he is fully? I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit showed me who Jesus is and that I gave my life to him. But there, there takes some action there that we, we need to pursue and keep knowing who God is and learn. Belief in Jesus is not and should not ever be just a subset of any culture or nation. God's true people are called into himself and into the kingdom of God and now are exiles in the world as we await our Lord Jesus' return. We here actually talk to people from different nations. They'll say, America, uh, they're, that's a Christian nation. Are we? At one point, this nation was founded upon Jesus and the words of Jesus and his redemption. And that was the reason that people came here, so that to advance the gospel. Other nations truly don't know this nation if they think that we are a Christian nation. Christianity has become a subset of this, of this nation, of this culture. Ask 80% of people, are you Christian? They're going to say, yep. Does the fruit show that? That is scary. To think that you are, that you know Jesus because you want to stay out of hell. And I'm telling you, from not so much this pulpit, not from this pulpit, but from others, that's an escape tactic, okay? Four numbers, just throwing it out there. Do you want to escape hell? Say this prayer. All good. Another check. We are deceiving people from the pulpits because it is not something that we lightly come to. We can know who Jesus is, but we must submit our lives to him. And that's not easy. It is day by day, second by second, laying your life down for him. Are we advancing the kingdom of God by bringing light into darkness by his power and salvation? Do our lives reflect who God has called us to be? 
his workers proclaiming his name and his salvation for the vast majority of Americans? The answer is probably no. And I, and I hope that is not the case in here. I know most of you in here, and that's not the case. But I want to encourage you, and I want you all to reflect. Am I living a life that God has called me to live? A holy and separate life only because of the work of Jesus. I can actually accomplish this. And by the Spirit empowering me to accomplish this. Jesus has become an add-on to the American culture for way too long. It's enough. We need to confront that. Because in confronting that, we are actually saving people from hell. And if we are to love people, we, we should not see, want to see one person perish. Not one. We have been submitting first to the American ideologies. And sprinkling in Jesus, that is not Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is a form of godliness which has no power. There are, like I said, I'm not going to specific sins I'm not going to throw out there. But here's what I have perceived in our own culture. And I can only talk about our own culture because it's where I live. That's That's where I truly believe that I'm called to is this culture. To wake us up. So, in this culture, 80% know know Jesus. 80% know Jesus, but don't act the way that he does. Let me rephrase that. Conduct our lives in the way that he does. We cannot act anymore. That's what we're doing. So, in our culture, we thank God for forgiving our sins. Hallelujah. God has forgiven our sins. We are out of hell. Shouldn't the thought actually be, I want to, I'm seeking after Jesus because I just want to be with him? Right? I want to be with my creator, the person that gave him his life for me. I'm just seeking him. Not being in eternal damnation, that's a plus. But I want to be eternally with him forever. Okay? We thank God for forgiving our sins, but we don't forgive. I've done that. Because in our culture, that's okay. That's okay. We can say that we're forgiving. But I'm going to hold the grudge against that person right there. Why? Like, who are we? We scream out social justice and equity. Right? I hear that a lot. Social justice and equity. But we ourselves, we we don't associate with others outside of our social circles or status. That comes from, like, our government. Right? Justice and equity. But you, I'm not associating with you. Okay? The only justice and equity 
that is proper is through the word of God and through Jesus. The spirit of God working through us. Because everybody, the true justice comes from God. And yes, we are all equal. It's biblical. We are all equal. But why are we doing it? Okay, We can't be saying social justice and equity, but we're not associating with this group over here. Okay, We're going to cancel this group over here. That usually occurs on this side. But, okay. but we should love people if they're not in our social status or whatever. We must pursue them. We must pursue the world because they are in darkness. So we feel good that we do well for ourselves. We work hard, really hard. We do really well for ourselves and our family. And we are really good people. We're good people. We don't do drugs. We don't steal. We don't have affairs. We help out the food pantry sometimes, and maybe we provide money for someone in need that we know aren't just being lazy. Here's a news flash for you. If we say, I am doing these things, I don't do drugs, I don't steal, I don't have a curse, I don't blah, 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 blah. You're being self-righteous. You're being self-righteous. And you're deceiving yourselves into potential eternal separation from God. Why do we do these good deeds? Because of Jesus has redeemed us. If we start doing say, things and start saying things that we are good compared to whatever, that is self-righteousness. Until we come to the realization that all of our good deeds are nothing but filthy rags, which literal translation I will leave for you to look up, which is not great. We have to come to a realization it's only because of Jesus that we can do this and in the proper mindset, in the proper heart set. They're hurting in our community as a nation. And we see this constantly. The hurt. Okay, the hurt. For whatever reason, there's, there's a plethora of reasons why people are hurting. Mainly because they are outside of Jesus Christ. And even those that do know Jesus have, we do hurt at times, right? But in our society, we give them thoughts and prayers. Usually on social media. Are we actually praying for them? If we say that, we better be praying for them. And what's even better Pray with them in person because we are called to mourn with those who mourn. We show empathy towards, we need to show empathy towards people, right? If they're mourning, it should hurt our hearts because that is, that's, it's natural right now, but it was not designed to be that way. 
And when Jesus returns, he's going to put an end to all of it. But right now, in this moment, he's using us. He's using us to mourn with those who mourn. To help those who cannot help themselves. Or sometimes you just have a bad break. Lift them up. Be the church. We have given our lives to Jesus, our Savior. But we never proclaim his goodness and freedom to our closest friends and family. Because why? We might think they might think we're weird. Guess what? We're not weird. We are following the Lord Jesus Christ. And everywhere he went, people were changed, never left the same, never left the same. They either followed him or they deserted him. You can't stay in the middle. People never stayed in the middle with with Jesus. If we aren't living our lives as God has called us and provided the way to live holy as he is holy, guess what? If our lives kind of reflect our culture a little bit, if we're not living holy as he is holy as he has commanded us and seeking his word on how to do that there is hope there is hope today and there is forgiveness from our disobedience today whether we need to submit ourselves to the lordship of jesus because the spirit is showing us who jesus truly is as truly god who came in human form to sacrifice himself his blood was shed for the redemption of our sins that we may be that we may come into God's presence and commune with him that is that is amazing that ourselves cannot have that relationship because of that sin that we might have but Jesus took care of it God is ready for you today at this moment to make that life change to see who he is and submit your life to him delaying in responding to the work of god's spirit to finally lay down your life to jesus for the first time or for the forgiveness of disobedience after being a follower of christ jesus will harden your hearts every time that we say ah not today okay a we're being prideful that we're not going to be able to live to give our lives to him for for salvation or just in repentance our lives should be a daily act of repentance hebrews 3 3 15 says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion so if God is, if the Holy Spirit is, is talking to you today, prompting you, showing you, man, there, there are things that within our lives, that's part of the sanctification process, that he illuminates these sins um, or disobedience within our lives that we may respond. Because he is a good God and he's showing these things. He's not doing it punishing you. He's doing it so you may be more like him. And if we had 
believers who are more like who God is, who Jesus is, that we saw who, how God, his character is through Jesus. And this world would be changed, wouldn't it? If your conduct is proper, okay, if you're living a holy life, it is, it is, your conduct is proper, I'm not acting like a Christian, I'm following the ways of God for his purpose, not for any other purposes, keep increasing in your holiness by listening and doing as the Spirit and the Word instructs. We need more and more obedience, not to ideologies, but to Jesus Christ. He asks us to go talk to somebody, go do it. You, you feel that sometimes. You, don't, you might not even know somebody, but you can tell them their face. Like, hey, as, as followers of Christ, we need to go up to them and say, hey, are you okay? Sometimes that's all it takes. Are you okay? Can I pray with you? Whether that's at your workplace or you pass somebody on the street, it's the same thing. So I want to take this time to just open up the front, the altar to be able to make a response. A response of, Lord, I have been disobedient. And thank you for showing me that. And I want to live for you as best as I can. We are not gonna be perfect. We're not gonna be perfect. That is what the Holy Spirit is, is here for, is to live with inside of us and show us things. And there's power. The, the power of God within us can also be manifested out, right? Okay? But we have to respond to it. Even in healing. He, FYI, healing still occurs. Okay? But God is not typically going to heal you if you don't submit yourself to that you're seeking after him you're not seeking after the healing you're seeking after him and he takes care of it there is power so I want to open up the altar here for the couple minutes for anybody a who hears the prompting of the Holy Spirit to follow after Jesus that you see him as Lord and Savior. To just come. And if any of us have some disobedience, outright disobedience, or maybe by accident, respond to the Holy Spirit. Do not harden your hearts. Because the sooner that we respond, the less pride we have, better the outcome for everybody. So Pam, if you could play for a few minutes. 
I just ask that everybody may just bow your heads. And we're going to take communion after this. It is a really, really good time to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit. Show me things that I need to work on. I feel like I'm in exile. But why am I in exile in this world? It is to proclaim your excellencies. And if he's saying, he'll, he'll bring up instances within your life that maybe we missed. The call today is for salvation and also for forgiveness of just being disobedient. God has moved in your heart to finally submit your life to him. Stand up just right where you are and give your lives to him. Yes, we can do it sitting there, right? We can do that sitting there. But it is something special when we actually do get up and come forward and say, yes, I am proclaiming the name of Jesus and I follow him as Lord and Savior. Because if, when we believe in our hearts and we confess that he is Lord, then you will be saved. We confess to each other. And if we are asking for forgiveness for just being disobedient, I also ask just to come forward for prayer. Because we all can sympathize with each other. Nobody's judging here. Because we have all fallen. We all come short. But through the, the gift and the mercy of Jesus, through our Father, we have forgiveness. So I'll give it about another minute and close our sermon and move to communion.
Father, I, th I thank you today. I thank you for every single person in this building, in your church, in your congregation, in your body. Lord, I thank you for, for just you, for your, for your work and not our work. That we may know you because of who you are and not because we are doing uh, such a thing that we may know you better. No, it, it is you that draws us, that seeks after us. And I thank you for that because you pursue us and we just need to, and we submit ourselves to you. That's it. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I, you provide everything for us. I've heard recently that in salvation, you do it all, right? The only thing that we provide is our sin. And you take that under the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word today. That your Holy Spirit falls upon each person more. That, that your spirit may enlighten us to who you are. That we may pursue you as well back through your word. That we may become more holy through your sanctification power and us just being obedient. Lord, I thank you for today. I call this congregation blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we get ready for communion, Let's turn to communion hymn 193.